0: But even just before that, what Courtney was saying with trust, it um, might have been the hardest thing for me. And that's whenever I started to realize the ramifications of my parents' divorce. Because like I said earlier, I didn't, I never seen them fight, I had never seen them argue, I never seen anything go wrong. And then one day they're apart and they're never gonna be in the same household again, really. And um, so going into our relationship, even when we got to see each other every single day, My mindset was, if I do one thing wrong, then it's just going to be over. She's going to leave me, and this person who I'm really interested in, and she's just going to be gone. Um, Just seeing what it looks like to trust the Lord, I was able to trust Courtney well um, and see that she does have my best interest at heart.
1: Welcome to this week's episode of the His Hill Podcast. My name is Kelly Daugherty, and I'm your host. I have with me today a newlywed couple. Uh, I, I guess we can still call you that. You've been married for, what, is it a year now? Almost a year. Almost a year. Okay, we have Keaton and Courtney Petty with us. Keaton grew up in Comfort and, uh, they, they met, I'm going to let them tell you all of this. So I don't want to <laughs> do it in advance, but they got, they, they met here at his hill and, uh, we're just going to sit and have a conversation with them hear about how the Lord's worked in their lives before meeting each other and how they've come to, to together and continue to grow in Christ, how he's working in their life. So anyway, guys, thanks for being with me today.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having us.
1: Thanks Kelly. That's good to have you. Okay. Uh, now Keaton like I said, you're from Comfort. You we were talking before we uh, before we started the podcast that you're you're not the first one from this area that would call themselves Comfort, but you actually are the first from the town of Comfort, born and raised. Yeah, I mean, you were a camper here for twelve years, I think. Yeah, at least twelve. Yeah, I mean, you you were one of those faces that I saw come every year, but just show up on a bigger body each year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, uh, I remember after we had moved, I heard that you were, you know, that you were going to be, uh, that you were interested in Bible school. Mm-hmm. And I was really excited to hear that. And then you ended up going, uh, well, I'll let you tell the story. Okay. Here, I'm, I'm, I'm a little excited to have them here because, you know, just watching, just watching Keaton grow up all those years and then to see him, uh, to, to come and be a part of things here was really exciting for me. So anyway, let me shut up and let you talk some. Okay, uh, Keatons, starting with you, uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your your background growing up in comfort, what that was like for you and uh, how you came to
0: know Jesus. Yeah. And so as you said, I'm, I'm from comfort, but typically when I give my testimony, I talk about even before I was born, um, just because I've looking back on it now, I didn't really realize this before I came to know Christ, but looking back on it now, I can see Christ working um, to bring me in the world, but also to reveal to my parents his, his will in yeah, a sense. Yeah. Um, so before I was born, my parents were told that they wouldn't be able to have children. Mm. Um, and so that had always affected them. And so I was kind of a, a miracle baby, surprise baby, wow, um, whatever you want to call it. But I just looking back on that, that small little thing, has just been really um, encouraging to me, especially in difficult times. Seasons or just times of uh, in the valleys, kind of just realizing that really, um, God makes foolish the the wisdom of man, um, and his purposes will, as I was reading in Job um, last night, thinking of some stuff, um, but reading in Job and Job's response to the Lord, um, after God has kind of put him in his place, um, in, in chapter 41, I believe, um, 41 or 42, um, where he says, I know with you, all things are, are through God, all things are, are possible and no one can thwart your purposes. Um, and so things, little details like that, especially even before my life, seeing how he's already been working, um, have been really encouraging. And so um, eventually my parents did have me and he has born right here in comfort Texas. One of the few, um, yeah, growing up, um, we lived just a, i feel like a typical, um, Southern lifestyle. We were very nominally Christian. Um, I, I grew up with a little sister, um, and really, we'd, we'd go to church on Sundays, um, and really that was about it. There was never any devotion times in our house, um, no youth group or anything throughout the week. Um, but yeah, just kind of went through life, went to school, had friends, um, and that was it. I At a very young age, I developed a, a deep, uh, intense love for baseball. Mm. Um, and I had started coming to camp at, at the Hill whenever... I was like six or seven. We knew Miss White. Um, and so she kind of got me in before I was of the age. And so I was always coming here. I love coming to the Hill. Um, and so I always knew that I, I had this need for Jesus. And I, I thought that I had had that hole filled in my heart. Um, but really, I was just, from even a very young age, just trying to fill that with baseball. Um, that was all I ever wanted to do. That was all I ever cared about. I had dreams um, with a lot of my friends here of going and playing college baseball. Um, you, know, you know, if. I got to be that good, be in the professionals, but um, that was my that was my goal. That was my desire. That's all I ever cared about. It's all I ever wanted to do. Mm. I wasn't playing um, baseball for comfort. I was doing a travel ball in the summers and the fall, spring, whatever it might be. It was my life revolved around baseball, um, and so really, um, I, I call it it was my God for a lot of my life. Even though I had come to camp, um, I knew the message of the gospel. That's I've always loved. Um, the hill, cause Christ is central to the hill, not just, um, Bible school, but also camp. And so coming to camp one week out of the year, that was my, my church and I loved it. I didn't know why I loved it mm. necessarily. I saw the counselors and their joy they had a different type of joy that I had ever had. Baseball, I never brought me that type of joy. Um, but still I'd, I'd get that camp high mm-hmm. for that one week and I'd be on fire for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it just fade away just like, uh, cause I didn't know how to continue living out my, my life with the Lord. Um, and I just go right back into baseball, the desires of the world, the temptations of the world. Um, and really that was what was feeding my ego, my pride. Um, and if I'm being honest, I loved it. I, I loved growing in attention um, at school and different groups, uh, being gifted in different things. Um, and, and really that continued to build, um, and something, I, I kind of zoomed over this, but um, I, had already, I knew I had this hole in my heart that needed to be filled, and I had been trying to fill it with baseball, and I thought that it had somewhat become filled, um, even at a young age. Um, and then one day when my sister and I were still in elementary school, um, my parents, it was in January, it's like it's one of those events that you can remember like it was yesterday. Um, my parents pulled us out of school. Um, I had never seen my mom and dad fight. I had never seen them argue. Um, it seemed like everything was always um, easy come, easy go, kind of in the house. There was never any stress or anything. Um, and so we were pulled out of school one day. They brought us down to Dairy Queen um, in town. I still remember the seats and everything, and uh, they told us they were getting a divorce. Mm. Um, and it was like my world literally turned upside down in one mm. day. I remember going back to our house that was uh, just behind there, and there was a moving truck, and I got to pick up my last couple of things, and I stayed at a new house for the first time in my life that night, and um, it was like that hole was just ripped open, um, and yeah, it definitely one of the, just one of those life-changing things that I didn't, at the time, I was okay with it, because my parents were still um, good friends. There was never, even still after the divorce, there was never any fighting, never any name calling. Um, it was really a, a very weird situation as to where my parents would still ride together to baseball games. And, mm. um, so just a very odd uh, situation. And there was always kind of a, a hope that they would, um, be reunited. Um, and as time went on, that hope kind of fizzled out. But, um, from that moment on, I, I, that hole, as I said, has been, was ripped wide open. I just continued to try to fill, um, that hole with baseball. Um, and it always seemed like it got really close and then a, an event would happen and it'd just be ripped right back open. Um, and so really that all kind of culminated or climaxed in high school where, um, for comfort school size, I was one of the best, uh, pitchers in the state of Texas. Um, and so I was really, uh, high on myself. I had a lot of pride going into my senior year and I thought finally all my dreams are going to come true. That hole that I have, um. Is going to be filled for good. I'm going to go and play college baseball. Um, I'm going to have everything that I've ever wanted. Um, I had, it really didn't have a relationship with the Lord at that point in my life. I was still coming to camp, um, but really it was just that one week out of the summer where I, I love the Lord. And then uh, apart from that, it was really just uh, mm. indulging the desires of the world. Um, and even though I would call myself a Christian, I would go to fellowship of Christian athletes. I would go to all these different things, youth group on Wednesday, whatever it might be, really, it was just learning how to put a face on in front of uh, the right people, learning how to act the right way, um, in front of whoever it might be, um, trying to be a good person, I think, but not really understanding what the Christian life required, uh, what Christ calls the believer to be who they are supposed to be. Um, and so i had, I knew that, I knew the truth of who Christ was, but it was not being applied to my life. Um, and so eventually, senior year I got here, I thought this is really going to spring me forward, you know, college, uh, baseball and stuff. And then before the season started, um, I had an injury where I couldn't throw for six months. Um, and then it's like all of those dreams, yeah. uh, desires, passions fell away. So like 14 years of my life was just gone in the blink of an eye, really. Wow. Um, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know what college I was going to go to. I didn't know if I wanted to go to college. Really, this was the first time in my life where I didn't know what the next step was. Um, I had still signed to play baseball at a small uh, school here in Texas, but I didn't. It wasn't really, it wasn't the school I had always wanted to go. So there wasn't as much desire to go and play there. Um, and so I came back from my my last summer as a camper. And there's always there's those groups who come to camp who just they they start together and they finish together kind of, and so they they get to become really good friends. And I had been very fortunate looking back on it now to be a part of one of those groups. Um, and there were a couple. Of the the campers who were going to Timberline Lodge, um, and they had been talking to me throughout the week. And for his hill, um, or for the the senior week every every summer they do, I think out of one of the chapels they they talk about Bible school, right? Yeah. Um, and so they had that talk. I, I talked with some of the the other campers, and yeah, I had said you know I'll pray about it, um, not really intending to pray about it because I still was hoping to go and play baseball. I wasn't putting all my eggs in one basket, but. I definitely did not want to go to Bible school. That was probably the least of my desires, if I'm being okay, honest. Yeah. Um, I think partly because in, in the back of my head I knew what it would require, um, and that's not something I wanted to do. Um, but uh, leaving camp, I don't know why, Kelly, uh, this has to be the Lord's work, but um, it actually stuck in my mind. I actually did pray about it. Um, I brought it up to my family, and we were never well off financially, Um and so I, I brought it up to my family and they were all in for it. They really, um, encouraged me to do it. It's just finding the money, um, to do it was the, the difficult part. Sure. Um, and we were a couple of weeks out from the start of, uh, the school year. And so really it was, I, the only way it would work is for a miracle to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and a miracle happened And a week later, um, after I brought it up to my parents and a couple of family members, I had the, um, a necessary amount to go to the first semester, at least, okay. um, of Timberline. And so before I knew it, um, whether I wanted to do it or not, uh, I was headed out to to Colorado because um, that was just the the easiest step to take next. Um, and so, yeah, before I knew it, my dad and I were headed out to Colorado and I started my first year of Bible school at Timberline Lodge. Um, and immediately there, um, I could just see a change in a lot of the, the staff members with Dan Thomas, uh, Sam Hatfield, a couple of the people who are still there. Um, and that was the first time in my life where I actually studied the Bible for more than maybe 15 minutes of, of the devos at camp or whatever. Um, and I had seen people living out the Christian life um, for more than a week. I had seen them actually be intentional with people, be focused on discipling others and um, coming alongside others to help them see the truths of Scripture, how to apply that to their lives, and see that really, uh, as Christ says in uh, John, where he, he talks about, and he gives the I am statement, I am the vine, you are the branches, where apart from me, you can't do nothing, right? That was the first time I really saw that happen, and just the, the transparency of the staff members being open with their lives, um, having guest speakers come in like yourself, Charlie, people from all over the world talking about, Um, just the centrality of Christ in our life. And apart from him, there is nothing, there is nothing good that I can do. There is nothing. And I think uh, uh, being raised kind of in the South, you can kind of get that um, belief where I I am a Christian, but I also need to go out and do all these things. As long as I'm being a good person, that'll be enough kind of, and really my eyes were open to that isn't the truth. Um, If I'm trying to do this in my strength, there is nothing good that I can do. I am Mm -hmm. broken. I am um, still guilty. Um, or maybe guilty is not um, the best word, but I'm not building up any righteousness on my own. Um, And so really I saw for the first time that, as Paul says, I must die daily um, Mm. to my own desires, to my own passions, um, and I must continually recognize that I have been crucified. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Mm. Um, And so really as that truth continued to become more real to me, as I actually understood the depths of that and what that means, and it's not just putting on Christ whenever I want to, if I wake up on the right side of the bed. But if I'm going to dedicate my life to Christ, enter that covenant with him, it is a everyday, every breath kind of thing. Um, and as I grew to see that, I grew to love it. Yeah. To see that this is how life is meant to be. This is how God designed life to be lived in true harmony and peace with him, abiding in him. And I'm not always perfect in that, of course, but it's the goodness of, of God. I think that, um, I was brought to that point at Timberline. My eyes were open to that truth. And really that, that year was just a life changing year from where I, before I, I didn't want anything to do with the Bible. I didn't care for the Bible. I didn't care for Jesus. I, I wore a cross my neck, but that was the extent of my religion. That was the extent of my walk with Christ. It was just a physical charm on my necklace, literally. Um, to whereas after that year, I really realized that it's not just the physical charm you're supposed to be wearing, but it is, um, uh, I think as Connor was talking about in the, um, devotion he gave last week, it was, it's a, um, intellectual and also, um, interactional. I think Mm. that might not be the exact word he used, but knowing who he is and then walking in that, um, truth. And so that was really a, a life changing year. Um, and then, I came back because it was kind of my bucket list to always be a, a camp counselor. You know, I had okay. grown up seeing these camp counselors and just amazing people. You can see their, their love for the Lord. Um, and I wanted to be that for, um, campers as well. And so I, I came back with a couple of guys from Timberline, um, and just had a great summer. Um, and I still don't know what I wanted to do. I kind of wanted to go to Texas A&M. I had already applied to, to Blinn, which is their kind of sister school. And I thought I was accepted. Um, and so me and a couple other people went out there to kind of get some things finalized. Yeah. And whenever we got out there that day, um, for some reason, they couldn't find any of my stuff. It, that sounds it, like it, Connors. Same Connors thing, yeah, yeah. It, they're very similar. Um, and so I think my thing was frozen or whatever. I hadn't done enough stuff. And so it had been terminated, I guess. I don't know exactly how it worked, but I didn't have anything with Blinn. Um, and so I thought, well, I... I I guess I'm not going there, but it kind of stinks because I had already started, I had signed a lease for an Mm. apartment there. Mm. And so I kind of thought I would be there, but then I guess I wasn't supposed to be. And so I I was uh, thinking of what to do while at summer camp. And um, I really just wanted to to stay at the Hill. Um, I I always loved being here as a camper. I loved being here as a counselor. Um, And so I applied for second year and I was accepted. Um, I don't know why Charlie let me in, but uh, he did. And again, just another life-changing year and getting to really grow. Um, My walk with the Lord, I got to build great relationships with with Connor and John, uh, Michael, some guys who I'm really close with still today. Um, And my wife is really close with their wives, and so it's been awesome. Um, And just to see the Lord continually um, leading me on, leading me in his paths, uh, which I never would have pictured for myself. Mm.
1: Um, well, I can I can say that it's been really fun for me to watch the growth. You know, as a camper to a Bible school student, and then and then now you're back uh, teaching locally, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But just to watch the growth has been really fun for me. Um, you know, you've always been a nice person. You know, as a kid, you were a nice kid. You know, but but to see something spiritually happen was really exciting for me. You know, when I Went back to uh, to Timberline to teach that year that you were there, you know. I could see there was there was something there, you know, that I didn't really remember seeing before. And uh, and you know, you said there were some other campers. I think uh, CC was there, and so Captain was Cat. Yeah, and Victoria Bowden. Yeah, that's right, Victoria too. Yeah, I remember we all went out to eat yeah. one uh, for supper one night. But um, so it was fun to have to to see all of you and to and to spend some time with all of you. Uh, but like I was saying, it was really neat to see this growth uh, in in you, see your heart, and then to come back the next year to teach here, and you were a second year student. The same thing, you know that you know I was really encouraged with with what was going on in your heart, and and then to see how he was developing things and moving you to the next step, which we'll get to in a second. Yeah. But uh, that thanks, I appreciate you sharing sharing that. Uh, about how old were you when you became a believer?
0: Uh I would say I was, I was 16 mm-hmm. um, whenever I, I had just lost my grandfather. That was the first time I really wrestled with the death and okay. things uh, uh, after life, physical life perishes. Right. What, what happens after that? I'm um, in Daniel Cooper here. Yeah. Uh, he was my counselor and I just had some strong questions for him and he answered them and that life I, or that, that week I decided uh, the base or I don't know if I fully recognized baseball. I wasn't going to fill that hole. Sorry. Um <laughs> But uh, I would say I, I I placed my faith in Christ when I was 16. But did I live it out? No. Yeah. Um, it, it took me a while to understand yeah. what that commitment entailed. Sure. I can identify that. So it wasn't with that. until uh, a couple years later that I actually started walking.
1: Right. The Lord. Yeah. Yeah. That's neat. And what a neat thing to to talk about about Daniel like that because you know so so many of our counselors I and mean, you guys both working on summer staff you know have had probably similar experiences to just see how the Lord will use you. Mm-hmm. And so maybe a little plug for camp there, yeah. if anybody's <laughs> interested in, in coming to work on staff. Um, and how old were you when your parents divorced? Uh, Twelve years old. Twelve. I,
0: or no, sorry, ten. Okay, I was pretty young, um, and I didn't really realize the the ramifications that that divorce happened until uh, I got to the hill and started dating Courtney. But we can. Talk about that later. First.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. That would be interesting. Okay. And then Courtney. Okay. I knew your family, but yes. I did not know you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> your brother had been uh, to Bible school, and you, um, and, and of course, so had your mom.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah. <way> back when. <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. So tell us what was it? Uh, you're from Abbotsford, right? British uh, yeah. Columbia. Okay. Yes. Tell us about your childhood and growing up and how yeah. did you come to know Jesus?
2: Of course. So like you said, grew up in the beautiful. British Columbia, Abbotsford, the Fraser Valley. So, you know, living now in, in Texas for the past six months, I really miss the mountains. Yeah. And yeah. I definitely took that for granted. But yeah, so I grew up in a beautiful area, um, two very loving parents, and I was the youngest of three. So oh, okay. I think I fit the mold of what the youngest entails pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, daddy's girl, okay. kind of the youngest. I like the attention. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, loving parents, like I said, and just grew up in a really close family and not just my parents and my siblings, but just also with our extended family with grandparents and cousins. Yeah. And so that was very fortunate to experience. And I think my testimony itself is very different from Keaton's and his is affected a lot by external things with baseball, his parents divorce. And I think mine was more of an internal I think externally, I was very fortunate with what God blessed me with, and I'm very thankful for that. And so definitely it was an internal battle of okay. coming to know Jesus and just really learning what that looks like. But I did come to know Christ at a young age, and I remember asking my mom you know, to invite Jesus into my heart, and I mm-hmm. remember her being super excited about that. Um, and along with that, we grew up... Going to a Christian school, a private Christian school, and so my parents took that financially, uh, just to send us in the, uh, to a school that they could trust the teachers mm. that we were getting fed spiritually, which you know back then when you have friends in you know the public schools, it it didn't really feel that cool. Mm. It was a little like you were the very stereotypical private school kid, and I think elementary and middle school. Those were some great years. Being the youngest, I spent the most time at the specific private Christian school that we went to. And it really fostered, you know, just how natural it was to have Jesus in your life. Oh, wow. um, however, I never really knew a relationship with Jesus personally. So I think that was the biggest struggle was I was always fed Jesus. Mm-hmm. It was, it wasn't... An unheard of thing between, mm-hmm. you know, kind of living in that Bible belt of the Fraser Valley, going to Christian school, going to church. Um, it was just always there. Yeah. And so I never it took it upon myself to learn what that looked like to foster a relationship with Jesus. Mm. And, you know, as we got older, church kind of got harder to go to. We were always filled with a lot of activities. Um, my brother played sports and I. I was very versatile. I did competitive dance. I would spend 13 hours a week there, at least, you know, Monday through Friday after school's training. And then, you know, throughout the summers and the fall, I would show cattle.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, that is different. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I I spent my time either in the dance studio or at home in the barn. So I showed steers for 10 years and did lamb for two. And that really grew a lot of discipline Mm. between those two activities. I was always, um, it was constructive criticism and it was great. Um, and i just learned how to kind of keep my head on my shoulders and be responsible. And throughout the middle school and high school years, I had a friend and she was really interested in going to summer camp. I was like, okay, like my two older siblings never did. So I was kind of the odd one out on that where, you know, I approached mom and say, Hey, can I go to summer camp? And so I did. And those weeks in the summer were the best, Mm there's so much fun and you know, you got to be with your friends and I don't know if I was really going there for Jesus, right? but it was a great positive coming out of it. Cause you know, you come home and you're like, wow, he's real. Mm. This is real. The relationships and how good he is. Okay. Um, but then again, you know, you get comfortable with it being fed to you at school. You're taught it church and home that you don't really take it upon yourself to get that relationship So it wasn't until high school, really my senior year, where I didn't really know what to do after. I didn't want to go to college. Um, I didn't really want to spend my time in the classroom unless I knew for sure what I was doing. And Mm -hmm. like you had mentioned, my mom had gone to his hill way back when, and so she had always desired for us kids to go. And my older sister, she actually got married at a younger age, and so she never went. And my brother wasn't until a few years after he had graduated that he decided to go on his own. Um, but in, at the point of my graduation, he hadn't gone yet. So kind of my mom's last chance, you know, <laughs> she was like, come on, one of you kids got to go. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, when you're at that age and your mom's encouraging you to do something, you kind of want to do the opposite. Right, and that's yeah. exactly what I did. <laughs> I did the opposite. And I just did that uh, out of my own will. You know, I saw an opportunity, but I not want to do it just because mom wanted me to. <laughs> so I definitely took that for granted, um, in those years. And I decided after school, I was just going to figure it out on my own, you know? And you know, that's when you realize you're no longer at a Christian school where things are being taught to you. And so it kind of just faded. It mm. drifted. Mm. Um, Christianity was a religion and I knew I had Jesus, but what that looked like, I had no idea. Okay. And so I thought at that point, working, traveling, hanging out with my friends was everything. And so it wasn't until a few years after I graduated high school. So I graduated 2015 and my brother in 2017 decided to go to his hill for one semester. And I went and visited him. That's the Lord's work. I think (laughs) I just, you know, I just wanted to travel. I wanted to go see somewhere and well, Brett's there, so I may as well go visit. And I did and... I mean, you can ask Charlie, but he says, the look on my face was, I like had walked into a cult. Like I mm-hmm. was like, what is this mm-hmm. place? Who are these people? Uh-huh. Why is everyone so happy? <laughs> 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 they do everything together. <laughs> like, <laughs> what is this? Um, and I kind of just pushed that aside. I was like, I'm not going to figure it out. I'm just here to enjoy myself and just be with Brett. And I did. And I remember walking on the plane, going home and just crying. I don't know why. I just started crying. Mm. I was like, "Dang it! I don't want to go." Oh wow! But I think Jesus is calling me to go, mm. and that is something I wrestled with for a solid month. So I visited him in April, I believe, and I actually signed up to go for the following year in June. And so it, the Lord worked in my heart very quickly. Wow! And I didn't know why, but I knew I had to, had to go. Um, and looking back, I, I understand why. And so I, at that point, I think I kind of compromised with Jesus, which I wish I hadn't. (laughs) Um, He wanted me to go. And at that point it was June. I said, well, not quite yet. I'll go in January, but not the fall. So (laughs) I I chose that upon myself. So I followed my own will, even to get to Bible school. Mm -hmm. So I I finished off some classes at university and started taking some on the side and I came in January and, Yeah, that was interesting. It was, it was interesting just to leave everything behind, just to learn about something that you thought you knew, Mm. but you really didn't. Mm -hmm. And so that was a very fortunate semester of just really learning that Jesus truly is alive. He's not just a historical character, which mm-hmm. I think when you're getting taught Bible classes in in school, it can kind of feel like that. Sure, These are historical events, and yeah. you're just writing tests about it. And so for the first time, I was like, okay, Jesus is alive, and I can have a relationship with him. And he continued to work in my heart, and I stayed for summer camp didn't want to do that either. <laughs> and stay for summer camp and I did the the media, so I did the photography.
1: Oh yeah, I remember that.
2: Yeah. yeah. So that was I'm very fortunate that I was in that position. I think the Lord knew I would not fit in a cabin with kids. <laughs> I my patience wasn't quite developed okay. and maybe my leadership role as well. And so I think doing the media was a great fit for me and I and I learned a lot through that. And then following that, I ended up staying a second semester, which again, did not want to do that. And that was, again, something that the Lord just called me to, Mm. which again, was a big step because at that point you had gained friendships in your first semester, but now they're all gone. And so I had to make that decision of, am I doing this for myself or just my friends? Mm. And, you know, they were gone at that point. And so I, you know, I was doing that for myself. Mm. And so I stayed and I got that extra teaching and so thankful for it Mm. and just grew in my relationship with, with Jesus and coming home. I didn't know what that would look like. Um, again, it's hard when it's fit to you. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're kind of thrown in the deep end of, okay, you actually have to learn how, how are you going to take this the next step? Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm still figuring that out. That's that's still something you, you got to find the discipline for that. Mm. And so just trying to learn how to rely on Jesus for that and just continue to have that heart of desire. Um, sometimes, you know, worldly things and materialistic things sound more pleasing, um, or or easier to do, um, than to really just sit down and open up your heart Mm -hmm. really and expose Mm -hmm. yourself. And so that's kind of where it leads me to today. I mean, that's not sharing the part of my testimony of meeting my husband, but we'll yeah, get we can, that.
1: <laughs> we can, yeah, we can jump into that. I uh, was just thinking as you were talking, I was thinking about Brett. And the, I remember the first time I met you and found out that you were Brett's sister. <laughs> I thought, this can't be. I mean, you know, <laughs> Brett, is, he's one of the largest human beings I've ever met in my life. <laughs> and, and just a, a really cool guy. He's just a big <laughs> teddy bear. He's just a nice yes. guy. Uh, and of course, you know you're you're just this little thing, and he and he's you know, man, it's the same family. Wow. Now let's get into this. Um, okay, so now you both were at his hill. Yes. Okay. Yeah. What happened?
2: Oh boy.
0: <clears throat> Before each semester, Kelly, as you know, um, <laughs> there's a there's a board in the the rock house where a map where they put all the the students' pictures and they say where they're from. Um, and I took a a card out of your playbook. And I, uh, we were on a work day and everybody starts saying they put the new pictures up for the people next semester. Yeah. So me, a couple other guys, we run in there and I had already been uh, fed some information from uh, a friend who was friends with Courtney's brother that Courtney was coming. And so I had seen some photos of her. So I knew kind of knew her before she knew me. Um, and I went in there I found her photo and I called dibs and I said, I'm going to marry that girl. <laughs> And,
1: uh, if you don't know what he's talking about, taking a page out of my playbook, this was re- very <laughs> similar. Uh, the same thing, Some, someone came in and said students, new new pictures are up with the new students, and everybody knew that meant the new girls' pictures are up. Mm-hmm. And We run inside, and I saw Arlene's picture, and I did the same thing, and I'm going after her. So yeah. it worked out well for both of us. Yeah. yeah so go ahead, I tell us. Out of it.
0: <laughs> um, so semester ended, um, and... We came back that next semester and there's always that first night where you have the the meal together. Um, and I didn't see Courtney there. And I was like, where is this girl? Um, and I was sitting with some friends and stuff and eventually Raquel Holmes, uh, She kind of because she knew I I called dibs on her, and so she kind of nudged me. Oh,
1: so you told people that
0: you called dibs, word had had gotten out, you know. It's a very tight community (laughs) at the Hill.
1: (laughs) I kept it to myself, but okay, all right.
2: (laughs) People Uh, were talking about me before I even showed up. Yeah, and uh, Keaton had had mentioned there that he didn't see me at the dinner, and I give credit to that. My roommate, who's actually my sister in law now, she married Brett. Okay, um, yep, I. I had no idea what time dinner was and I didn't know dinner was even starting. And so I was still packing and I was like, wow, the house is really quiet. It's like, Oh no, I think everyone's eating. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so I walked into the rock house or the fish house, sorry. And dinner's already done. I missed it. all. Oh my
1: goodness. Wow.
2: And uh, by the time I sat down, they said I was on dinner dish duty. And so that's when I took it upon myself. I said, that is a very good looking man over there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I am not the one for this. I, I usually kind of keep to myself and I was like, well, I'll go introduce myself to him. And he was the only person I introduced myself to. And wow. I shook now, his hand. This is
1: the first time you? The very first okay, time. Okay, this is the the, the January first. Yes. Okay, all right. Yes.
2: And so I, I walked in, I walked in and I shook his hand. Don't know why I did that. I mean, great. Now (laughs) I shook his hand and I introduced myself and I went about to learning how to do dish duty and going forward, we, we had tacos that 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 first first weekend. weekend. uh,
0: She asked me about tacos. And so she was, well, she was making it easy on you.
1: Well, Uh, I hadn't,
2: (laughs) I hadn't learned that tight knit community, you know, I was coming from Well, we're just friends. We can hang out, you know. I just wanted to get tacos, and (laughs) everyone's like, "Oh, Keaton knows exactly where to go." I'm like, "Oh, great! Like, of course." I mean, they all knew. I didn't know. (laughs) And so, yeah, we got tacos that first weekend, and you know, we were kind of talk of the campus. And I had come in knowing it's like relationship. I do not want. I think I I got teased a lot going into it. Uh Everyone was like, "Oh, you're gonna find somebody and never come home," and. Like, no, 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 I'm not going there for a relationship. That's the last thing I want. I think at that point I had kind of deemed myself the single aunt forever. Oh, wow. And so... uh, I found out the hard way. (laughs) And so when I, you know, when I met him, I was like, he's trouble, but I am, I'm not here for a relationship. And I kind of stuck to that. I mean, Keaton can kind of talk a little bit more how he, uh, he was pretty brave to uh, put himself out there, how he wanted to be more than just friends.
0: I don't really put myself out there very much (laughs) either. I'm I'm a pretty keep it to myself kind of guy. I don't really show too much emotion. Um, But we had started hanging out more. Um, Us and a a couple other friends, we'd go out to McDonald's and get uh, McFlurries and fries and watch like uh, Planet Earth and stuff. And so we'd have these fun little like group hangouts or whatever. And then we had had a little bit more time one-on-one just to kind of get to know each other a little bit more and. It was right before spring break, and this was the first year his hill was taking students to Israel. Um, and So I was going on that trip. She was going to Costa Rica, and we had just walked down to Michael and Brooklyn's to watch The Amazing Race or something, and I had asked her if she wanted to walk together, you know, big steps for uh, hill students. And on the way back, uh, before curfew, I, I asked her, or I told her really, uh, um, I it's obvious I'm getting some uh, feelings for you. I am very attracted to you. Um, and I'd like to know if we, if you'd like to like, or what's your feelings towards me? Cause she never verbalized her feelings towards me. I knew we were having fun together. We were getting to know each other, but I didn't really know where she was at and her um, feelings toward me. And she friend zoned me right before I was about to be on a plane <laughs> for 20 something hours or I don't know. And so I made such a foolish decision. So she only
1: <laughs> made this easy on you at, at first, just, oh, yeah. just and didn't then, get to know each. Yeah. Okay.
0: And so I found out the hard way that she wasn't there for a relationship because she didn't make it seem that way at the beginning. <laughs> uh, uh, just teasing. But um, yeah. And so I got friend zoned and not the way I expected it to go. That's for sure. Um, yeah, but, I mean, she can tell her side. Yeah.
2: I, guess, I think that, Yeah. I was really just sticking to what I truly felt in my heart. And I was, I was really open to getting to know this guy. And I think, you know, hanging out and being friends was where it at, where it was at. And, you know, looking back, I mean, we laugh about it. He gives me a hard time about it, but I I, still
0: have it in my notes, uh, reminders the day Courtney friend zoned me. So I can remind her. Yes, (laughs) It's true.
2: Yeah. He reminds (laughs) me, (laughs) but yeah, no, the good thing is that we can laugh about it and, Mm. Um, looking back, I I truly wouldn't have done it differently. I think we both needed that time to grow individually. And I think that encouraged us also to grow, um, in our faith separately before we could come together. And just so
1: everybody knows Keaton was shaking or nodding his head. Yes. During that. Yes. Yes.
2: He's agreeing. (laughs) Um, and so we just really spent that semester just coming together and just being able to talk about Jesus and seeing where we aligned Um, and just really seeing the Lord's work through it. And it wasn't until the end of semester that he finally asked me to be his girlfriend, um, which he had to call my brother, my big brother, Brett, and uh, my dad first. And so he got their approval. And yeah, kind of the rest is history of us just being together, um, dating, obviously, but just seeing the Lord's hand at work, it's, Mm -hmm. it's really cool to see how in that setting of his help being so close, um, we were both just really growing deeply in our faith and coming together at lunch, you know, we would sit and we would just ask, so what'd you learn? Mm. What was, what'd you get taught today? Mm. And what'd you learn? And just taking that next step in our, in our friendship and then in our relationship of, um, okay, we had our faith separately and how do we grow this together and what does this look like in a relationship?
1: Okay. And Keaton, you, did you know Brett? Uh,
0: I, I came back for spring break when I was at Timberline yeah. and he was so a student here. And so I had seen him once before okay. at um, like the Wednesday night basketball. Right. And I, I knew who he was, yeah. but I also didn't know that it, he was her sister. Okay. And so he came the semester we were at school together and I made the worst decision and in not introducing myself to him.
2: Um, You got cold feet? Yeah, I got cold (laughs) feet. Uh.
0: Wow. So
2: not not a good choice when you got a six foot <laughs> four brother.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's not like I knew he was a teddy bear. He comes off as a very you know he doesn't. know.
1: yeah, you've got to get to know him to know that. Yeah. yeah. So,
0: Bert, if you listen to this, nothing against you. You're just an intimidating guy.
1: Well, I'm just trying to envision you. You know, talking to him and to her dad. Neither one of them are small men. No. And that's uh, well, that's yeah. I mean, guys understand what I'm saying when I when I say that. You know, that's that can be intimidating. But anyway, yeah. Well. Good for you for making the phone calls. Yeah. Um, okay. So now you guys you, you got together. You started dating, mm-hmm. and now being from different countries, uh, you know I I understand a little bit of what this was like. Uh, Arlene and I were not separated that long, really. Uh, but just tell us a little bit what what was it like. Uh, before I get into that, I want to I want to back up for a second and say you know uh, how neat it was to hear that you guys were getting to know each other before you know mm-hmm. just jumping into a relationship and to um and, and your desire in not letting this get in the way of what the lord's doing in your heart mm-hmm. you know here and you know that's what we try to talk to the students about when they first get here you know we're not anti relationship mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time we're not a, we're not a dating service and yep. we're we're really wanting people to be mindful of this, you know, don't, don't just don't just jump into relationships or don't be looking to be in a relationship mm-hmm. uh, because uh, that can be, you know, th- that that can be very, not just distracting, but it can be detrimental mm-hmm. to what the Lord's doing in your hearts while you're here. So that was really uh, neat to see. I think people around, you know, could see that something was was developing, was growing. Even as a guest speaker coming in, I, 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 you know, have recollections of looking at you guys and thinking, okay, <laughs> something's happening there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, but no that's encouraging to hear how you know you, what your heart was in that matter. And but now you're dating, and you, uh, <laughs> you think uh, uh, long distance relationships, okay? And uh, Keaton, at this point, you were in South Carolina or
0: close to it. Uh, so after. Our- I finished my time at his Hill. She stayed for another semester and I stayed in comfort for that semester as well to kind of uh, work a little bit before going off to, to university. So we still had a couple months in the same town. Um, but when we started uh, long distance, she went back to British Columbia after her second semester at the Hill. And I went out to South Carolina. And so if it weren't for technology, I honestly don't know how mm-hmm. we would have done it, mm-hmm. but we were on complete opposite ends of the continent. Um, the three, three hour time difference, I think. And so, I'd be in class when she was waking up and um, I'd be going to bed when she got off work. Um, and so it was a, a struggle to, to get when we first started because I was in a new place. I didn't, had never been to South Carolina before. I had never been in, in college before. I didn't know um, what that demanded in, in the schedule. Um, I never had a roommate who I didn't really know before. And for her, like going back home um, and trying to see what his life looked like now it was definitely interesting when we first got started and we also didn't see each other for like four months Mm. when we first started long distance. And so that was really difficult as well. Um, But I mean, you can chime in about this as well.
2: Yeah, I think, um, I mean, when you spend a year seeing each other every single day Mm -hmm. um, and kind of just touching base actually previously to like you said about students just fostering relationships. um, I just want to add the note that I really fought those feelings, <laughs> okay. Because I was very adamant on on not dating anyone, mm-hmm. and I prayed almost every night, mm-hmm. saying, <laughs> "You know, okay. Lord, if this is the man, continue to show." And this guy just didn't give up on me. Mm, that's neat. <laughs> and so it was. It truly was. I think going into it, we both knew, okay, this is the Lord's will for us okay. to be together. Okay. Um we're very opposite in a lot of ways, and mm-hmm. so we were like, "This is the Lord's Lord's will," and it it'll be His hands at work to make it follow through. And so heading into long distance, that was interesting. I mean, no, you can't really prepare for that. And so with time difference and work, like you said, um, very few hours of just getting to talk to each other. Mm. And essentially that was one phone call a day and telling each other how our day was and then going from there and saying good night. Um, but I think, you know, we did this for two years and, <laughs> Looking back on it, I can't believe we actually did that for two years. Wow. <laughs> um, Face times and phone calls and letters. letters. And the biggest takeaways were A, communication and B, trust. Okay, um, wow. Those were two things that we both really had to, to battle through. And I think, um, yeah, we had some rocky rocky roads uh, throughout those times of long distance. And I'm not going to hide that. It, it, it's hard. Um, and if it weren't for Jesus and our faith in Jesus, you know, we probably wouldn't be together. I think a lot of people around us were kind of like, you guys are crazy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and needless to say we had gotten engaged at the end of 2019. So one year, Uh one year long distance. And so we had just gotten engaged. Um, and that's when COVID hit. Mm. And so that whole second year of our, relationship long distance we only saw each other once before we got married Mm. and so we spent a lot of time apart but I think for him it was great for him to focus on his studies becoming a bible teacher Um, I think that's really that's God's will for him and so just to be able to support him from a distance of not distracting him from his studies of how is he going to be able to teach students about the Bible, you know. And so for him, he had that time to really focus on his studies. And for me, looking back on it, just save up our financials because going into it, now that we're married, um, you know, he had to finish up school. And me being an immigrant, I can't work. And so it was kind of those two years building up our our savings so we can be together.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's... uh, I was going to ask, and you just segued right into that, but, you, you know, what what were there times where it's like you know you start to wonder mm, is this going to happen or not but yeah. what and and just to, it's really encouraging to hear that you know if it weren't for Jesus because you know we don't want to just downplay this i mean mm-hmm. it you know long distance relationships are very difficult uh because it, it it's it you know we were we were made we talked about this and in, in one of the other podcasts uh, that actually we just recorded. I think it's going to actually, yeah, it's going to air. We're going to uh, we're going to post it this week. But we were made for fellowship. Mm-hmm. We you know we were made you know to to be together, and so it's hard to call it a relationship you know when you're not together. Yep. And so uh, Keaton, I'm just wondering, what about you? What did the Lord do in your heart you know during those those two years? When you, because I remember. Uh, Talking to you a couple of times. Uh, I guess we bumped into each other here or something, but I remember talking to you about it. And, you know, it was not, it wasn't fun. There was nothing fun about it.
0: There's nothing fun about long distance. Um, But even just before that, what Courtney was saying with trust, um, that might have been the hardest thing for me. And Mm. that's whenever I started to realize the ramifications of my parents' divorce. Mm. Because, like I said earlier, I didn't, I'd never seen them fight. I had never seen them argue. I had never seen anything go wrong. And then one day they're apart and they're never going to be in the same household again, really. Um, so going into our relationship, even when we got to see each other every single day, my mindset was if I do one thing wrong, then it's just going to be over. She's going to leave me and this person who I, I'm really interested in and um, she's just going to be gone and there's nothing I can do about it. And so I was always um, my trust. It was something or I didn't really know how to trust her. Um, And that is something that developed along with time and really breaking down that wall, because I had never seen a Christian relationship before. Mm. Um, And so seeing what it looks like to first trust Christ, and I think it's all rooted in our view of Christ as well, um, is whenever I do one thing wrong, is Christ just going to leave me? Or um, what does that look like? And then really once I come to know that, um, know Christ, uh, he says, I will never leave or forsake you. Um, he is always true to us. I love the picture in the Psalms where his hand has always reached out to us, especially in Psalm 139, your right hand lead me, leads me. Um, Psalm 23, the famous one, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are there with me. You're, um, you're rotting your staff. You're com- they comfort me. Um, and just knowing that despite how stupid I can be sometimes, the Lord is still right there with me, leading me and guiding me. And so once I truly saw what, what trust was through um, Jesus' relationship with the Father and uh, Paul's relationship with Jesus, all the examples were given in the New Testament, even um, the major figures in the Old Testament, David, um, Abraham, people like that. Um, just seeing what it looks like to trust the Lord, I was able to trust Courtney well mm. um, and see that she does have my best interest at heart. Mm. Um, and so I don't, that was a rabbit trail, but I don't really remember what the question was again. Sorry. No,
1: no, I was just asking, you know, what what were some of the hard things for you and how did the Lord work in your heart? So you actually didn't. <laughs> it wasn't a rabbit <laughs> yeah, trail, no, it, sorry it was a beautiful um, answer I, yeah,
0: yeah, and another thing also just uh, one of the difficulties of long distance once I had gotten to trust her more, and it's even if i mean it's uh, if it was hard for me to trust her in person sometimes you can only imagine what that'd be like uh, we are yeah. in separate parts of the country, and yeah. so that was another difficult thing to to get through, um but really just seeing her faithfulness um to me was always building that that confidence and that strength and the trust but also just a, a difficulty is when you only get to see someone once every four months, I mean, people change and that's not a bad thing. Um, we all go through different, different seasons of life. We're all changing. The Lord right. is working us in different ways. We're not supposed to stay the same. Um, our faith in the Lord should, should stay the same despite whatever season we're in, but we have different seasons of life. And so when you're able to have a phone call with someone every day, that's one thing. But when you actually come back and meet up for the first time in four months, there have been mannerisms that have changed. There's different tendencies that change. And it's almost like you're having to reacclimate to a new mm. person mm. In, in a way. And so that would also be one of the the difficulties. Um, and it even, as Courtney mentioned, for our second year of long distance, only getting to see each other once before you're at the altar. Yeah. And <laughs> then you start waking up next to that person every day. It's That's a big change. Okay. Um, so th- I think that would probably be one of the biggest ones at the Mm-hmm. as well is just trying to regroup with who that person is um and what season of life they're in um how that's changing yeah. them for the better um and so yeah that
1: well, no that's I uh, appreciate that what what advice would you give to people who are you know just just talked about you know you guys are are just fresh you know through this you're newlyweds you know you know you've been married almost a year so then a lot of this stuff is fresh on your mind what advice would you give to couples who are not necessarily you know have a long distance are not what what are some things that you guys would encourage other believing couples in
0: mm. I think first for any relationship is just transparency um and being open with struggles um and hardships but also the good things that are happening and just um I mean it's not just supposed to be the big things like a, a, when Jesus he teaches um uh, those who are faithful and the little things will be faithful in the big things as well. And so we can't just go into a relationship only talking about the big things in our life, but there also has to be transparency mm. in, the, in the little minor details. Yeah. I think, um, because that's what the, the foundation is, you know, like um, that's what everything else. those big decisions are built off of, off of the smaller ones. Wow. Yeah. I think for me personally, so transparency is a big one.
1: Okay.
2: Yeah, that's really good. Um, I don't know if it's something, any, anything particular, but just the neat thing about doing this podcast right now is kind of just really just looking over everything and kind of seeing God's hands through it all. Um, and even listening to it myself, I kind of think back, man, it probably would have been easier just to quit. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, all those two years of long distance and just that whole first year of being together of really trusting the Lord of, is this the person for me? Is this Mm. the man I'm going to marry? And I think at times people can find it easier to quit. And I think that really reflects on our relationship with Jesus as well. And how, I mean, marriage is supposed to be, you know, like the bridegroom. um, And at times it feels like it could be easier to quit, Mm. quit on Jesus. Mm. Um, And we see it through and through that, you don't quit. You keep going, mm. you figure it out and you open up your heart and you open up your ears and you just get ready to learn and to trust. And that's the same in, in a relationship. It's, it can be easier to quit and it can be easier to walk away and do it on your own, mm. but you're not there to do it on your own. You're there mm. to do that with the person you're in a relationship mm. with. And that's not only in marriage, but just with your relationship with Jesus as well.
1: Yeah, I, and I appreciate you saying that because, you know, the, anything that's of value is, is, is worth, you know, fighting for. Mm-hmm. You know, it's worth striving for. And uh, I think, you know, so often what we can do is we can, we can f- fall into a, a misunderstanding, a trap. And when, when we're watching couples that just seem to be just, oh, this is just a wonderful couple. Oh, this is a great relationship. This is what I want. To think that it's just going to happen you know that you know Christ is yes we abide in Christ and he lives through us but that doesn't mean that we just lay on the floor and wait for him to you know just put the right thought in and make us move the right way and say the right things and be faithful and yep. but we're to trust him
3: mm-hmm. you know
1: and and it, we by faith are engaged with each other and and and, th- and that's that's where the, the 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 security of the relationship comes from you know, I think you guys, you know, I wish you guys could just see them nodding their heads. You know, that, you know, if you're going to long distance relationship like that, you know, the, the only way you can say, I trust you. And, you know, is you, you have to have a confidence that comes from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And for it to be a confidence that brings peace and, and, and assurance, we know that that's from Christ. And so I, I appreciate you know your observations with that. Okay, uh, th- we're uh, we're getting close to the to the end time, but I, I do want to touch on a couple other things. One is, uh, you guys, you know, you, you said that you know the whole second year of your your dating was uh, our being apart anyway was mm-hmm. was during COVID, <laughs> and you guys had to plan a wedding. Yes. And now now did you you fly up to ask her to marry you just before COVID hit?
0: Uh, yeah, right before I think it was December fifteenth or something, we got engaged. Yeah. And yeah, if you January guys February,
2: COVID was, hit. Yeah, bam.
1: And if you guys don't know about their uh, about how Keaton did this, <laughs> you need to uh, you need to creep on their their Facebook. <laughs> and we
2: give credit to my sister. Yeah, <laughs> she Megan, Megan did it all. Yeah, she uh, orchestrated it all. Helicopter. Photographer. I mean, mountaintop. It was, it it was, was the whole was, shebang, it was, and it kind of yeah. makes up for the fact that we had a COVID wedding. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it was actually. The
0: engagement was amazing, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the whole next year was. <laughs> <laughs> we were on the mountaintop for the engagement. We were in the valleys for that next year.
1: Yes.
2: That incredible. is a great way to put it. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So, our, our claim to fame with that we're actually in a magazine for it.
1: Are you? We really? are. I believe it. The so pictures were incredible. We'll tell
2: our, our children that that was the, the best part, like Keaton said. That was truly the mountaintop experience. And then it just went to the valleys (laughs) after that with COVID and if I had to summarize up what planning a wedding with COVID was in two different countries, Mm. um, the two months leading up to our wedding, I had a skin rash all over my neck and face and it was stress Mm. and I had, it was awful. Mm. I mean, I broke down so many times, just like a, oh, go ahead.
0: She planned three weddings. Yep. two of them got canceled because of oh. different COVID restrictions. And then finally oh the third one felt actually happened.
2: Yeah. And so that, so one. you
1: ended up having to actually get married in the States. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So God you, bless Texas. so that God bless Texas, <laughs> but, uh, so I'm sure the original intent was to do it in Abbotsford or mm-hmm. BC. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because of COVID, because of immigration and everything, you had to, you had to come to the States and it was a very small wedding.
2: It was. Yeah. Yes. And, we didn't make that decision until just the week before December, and we got married December twenty eighth. Oh my goodness! Which that was not ju- even our original wedding date, and so um, it was very last minute. And we had twenty people at our wedding, and it was perfect in its own way. It was hard because m- lots of my family couldn't come because of Canada's yeah. restrictions yeah. and just not being able to travel due to work, and so. Um, but you know, I had a handful there to support me. And at that point too, you know, my whole family in Canada, they were just like, get out of here, <laughs> mm. go wow. be happy because you're really miserable here. <laughs> <laughs> and we kind of want you just to be with him. Um, oh, I think neat. it kind of it tugged at their hearts a little bit more than it did ours because we were so used to, at that point used to being yeah. apart from each other. Um, and so just the encouragement from my family of just go do it, get married and be happy. And so that's what we did. 20 people got married in Austin, Texas. and
1: Connor officiated. Connor, Connor did. Yeah. And Connor
2: and Jewel did our marriage counseling leading up to it. And oh, so we did a great. couple counseling and that was amazing. I mean, they taught us more about a relationship than we could have imagined um, and just really prepared our hearts for it.
1: Okay. So what was the date of the
0: wedding? December 28th. It was okay. what,
1: it was 2020.
0: To, yeah, 2020. It was supposed to be...
2: January 1st, 2021. It was
0: supposed to be on New Year's. But none of that fell through, so we still have we still have napkins with uh, that date on them.
1: And
3: really?
2: So. Yeah, when we have people over, I give them our Plan B wedding napkins. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I paid money for them, so somebody's got <laughs> yeah, to use them. Use them. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> okay, well, that's that's neat. I appreciate you guys just sharing all of this. So now, uh, real quick, so people understand what's going on now. Uh, Keaton, you went to CIU. Yes, sir. You graduated with what degree?
0: Uh, I double majored in Bible and Bible teaching. Okay.
1: And you guys are back now in the area, mm-hmm. which everybody here was just really excited to, to have happen. And, and, uh, so you're back
0: and what are you doing? Uh, I teach seventh graders, uh, first century, um, text specifically from the Mediterranean, uh, area, uh, that are, that have been translated to English. Okay. Um, as we know it as the Bible, I teach New Testament survey to <laughs> seventh where graders. Going with that? Yeah, it's like,
2: yeah. what are you teaching that I don't yeah.
0: know? Yeah. So a guy I went to school with, his dad, when he introduces what they're going to be teaching or what they're going to be going through, um, he always says it like like that first century uh, Greek manuscripts from the Mediterranean area that have been translated to English. And so I thought that was a, a fun way to say it.
1: That, that. is, yeah, that's great. But
0: yeah, so I teach seventh graders New Testament survey at San Antonio Christian School Charlie's son, Ryan, he teaches the eighth graders. I do the seventh graders. And yeah, and so a uh, great school, um, really good community there with uh, with the staff and faculty. It's a really great school to be teaching at for your first year. Um, yeah, So I've really enjoyed um, coming into this and this season of life that we've been brought into coming back to Texas. So.
2: Mm-hmm. All right.
1: And how, how, Courtney, how are you like in Texas mm-hmm. as, a, as a permanent resident? Yes.
2: Now. Oh, it is. It's great. It is great. It's a joy to be here. Um, I think we kind of skipped over the fact that we lived in South Carolina for the first six months of our marriage. And so God brought us here to Texas um, together, which is really cool. Um, He had applied both in Canada and in in Texas. And Uh Texas was the one position that opened up. And so we just really felt God called us here. And, you know, we have great friends, great church um, and just really feel at home here. Um, South Carolina was great. Food was great. Beach was great, but, uh-huh. uh, we didn't really quite feel at home. Um, and so that was kind of our first little adventure in marriage. Um, but Texas feels like home.
1: Good. Well, I can tell you that it's really good to have you guys around here. Thank you. Uh, we, uh, we go to the same church and it's, it's, it's good to, you know, we get, get to see you guys every Sunday and, uh, and even get to see you around here every once in a while. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, it's just good to have you back in the area. And, uh, and I look forward to us, you know, you know, getting to know each other better, and uh, just to, you know, see where the Lord takes our friendship. So, thank you for being here. Thanks I really appreciate us. you putting some time aside. And Keaton, uh, just so the listeners know, we'll have you back uh, to lead a devotion here just as soon as you're ready to do it. Yep. And uh, so that we look forward to that. So thank you guys. I really no, appreciate it. Thank you so much thank for you having Kelly. us. We yeah.
2: really appreciate it.
1: Again, yeah. it's good to have you. I just want to remind the listeners that uh, for the, the Charlie chat, make sure you send me any questions you have for Charlie. If you don't know what that is uh, here at Bible school, we have a Charlie chat every once in a while on schedule where uh, students can ask Charlie any question, whether it's theological or just out of left field, doesn't matter. Uh, just ask those questions. I understand that some of you would not want your names uh, mentioned with the question, so no problem. Just indicate that when you send uh, the email to me, and I would uh, uh, easily just uh, take your name out of that, and nobody will know you're the one that asked. You can get in touch with me with Kelly by, by, uh, by email at kelly at and what we're going to do with that is have a Charlie Chat podcast thanks again guys for being here thanks, and want to encourage everybody to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus
3: thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the his Hill podcast we hope that you've been encouraged through hearing Keaton and Courtney's testimony the his Hill podcast has an Instagram and we'd love to have you give us a follow you can find us on instagram at the his Hill podcast and follow for podcast updates and small encouragements throughout the week Any Torchbear alumni listening from the Minnesota region of America, the director of Torchbearers International, Peter Reed, will be speaking on December 3rd in Chaska, Minnesota, at an event called An Evening with Torchbearers, and you are invited to come. Peter Reed will be accompanied by Zane Black, the field rep at Timberline Lodge and the director of Love and Life Ministries, for an evening of fellowship and teaching, and they'd love to see you there. If you're interested in attending this event, please contact us at alumni at hishill.org for more information and to RSVP. Thank you for tuning in with us this week to another episode of the His Hill podcast. Remember to keep your eyes fixed on Christ alumni. I'm Lizzie. See you next week.